0: My guest today is Margie Feldhun. She is the co-owner of Interview Connections, the first and leading podcast booking agency. Margie and her business partner Jessica lead an in-house staff of 18 employees in their Rhode Island office and have successfully scaled the agency to seven figures. I loved having Margie on the show. She's probably one of the most relaxed and value-focused guests that I've had on. I'm sure that you're going to enjoy our time together. Margie, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm so excited to dive in with you. So welcome. Thank you so much, Casey. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So talk to me a little bit about how you came into the world of being a podcast booking agent.
1: So that's an interesting story because I own a seven-figure business, but I'm not a founder. So it's a little bit unique. I started with Interview Connections in 2016 as a contractor, just as a booking agent, booking clients on podcasts. And then through listening to our clients on podcasts and researching them, I was so inspired and I realized, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs do oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is why I get so bored at every job as an employee that I've ever had. And really wanted to be a business owner. I had some side hustles. And then I became the first employee of Interview Connections in 2017 when we changed from contractors to employees. And I didn't know it at the time, but being the first employee of a small business is a real power position, especially if you're really all in. And I was, and I was able to work really hard. We were hiring employees, Jess, my co-owner and I were both really figuring stuff out. And we were really in it together in the trenches, sharing the wins, crying together when stuff wasn't working out. So it felt like we were partners right away before we were officially partners. And then at the end of 2017, in my first one-year review as an employee, I negotiated 50% equity and got it, and now we are equal co-owners.
0: Wow, that's incredible. First off, congratulations. That's an amazing success story. And also that you had the moxie to negotiate. That was probably, an, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall like at that meeting, because that takes a lot of guts to be like, mm, you know what, I think I want 50% of your company.
1: Yes, it definitely took a lot of guts and I have a background and actually so does Jess. This is how we met in door-to-door fundraising. And that is the best sales and entrepreneurial training and negotiation training you could possibly get. So that helped me a lot with the confidence of really going for what I wanted. But I also think like with any sales conversation or negotiation, the majority of why I got it was what had happened before that ask. So I needed the confidence to ask and to not back down on what I really wanted. But all that work, all that being so all in before that moment is really the reason that I got a yes. And the reason it was a good decision for Jess to say yes to that, because she knew how invested I was. And she knew that I was obsessed with growing the revenue and that it would put money in her pocket if I had more self-interest.
0: Such a good point. I love that point, And I think it equates very much to the solopreneur journey in that, we're constantly putting the marketing seeds out. We're constantly doing so much behind the scenes effort, pounding the pavement. There is so much that happens before there's fruition. Yeah. So I love that point that it was all the prep work before that meeting that had to be there. And it's just like anything else, building those no like, and trust factors. That's why I'm a huge fan of podcasting. You're my first podcast booker. So I'm so excited to dive into the juicy bits of why do love podcasting as a platform? I mean, having
1: a show, you know, it's just so powerful. Conversation, it really is scalable intimacy and connection, which is what every, especially service-based entrepreneur needs in their marketing strategy. It's so personal to choose a coach or a financial planner. It's so incredibly personal and you really need to know them And when you hear somebody on a podcast, you feel like you're eavesdropping on a conversation. Like the podcast I listen to religiously, the hosts and their guests, I feel like they're my friends. And then it's when I have an opportunity to meet them, I'm like, this is creepy because you don't know me. And I feel like we're best friends. But that's so powerful. And being out there consistently sharing your message, not just in front of the audiences of the podcast hosts, but networking with these incredible entrepreneurs who host shows, it has an incredible ROI in terms of obviously just revenue, getting new clients, but also in terms of leadership and really being seen as an expert in your space.
0: Absolutely, and I do think two things came to mind when you were talking about really having that intimacy and feeling like you know the podcast hosts, like we're besties. And yeah. two people came to mind that do it so well, Rachel Hollis, mm-hmm. and I mean, she is just such an expert of bringing you into her real life. I remember listening to one of her podcasts and she was kind of whispering and she's like, it's 4 a.m. y'all and I'm at a hotel and I don't wanna wake up my neighbors because everyone doesn't start their day off like they're a marching band leader. And it was so cool. And I fall prey to needing in my mind, feeling like things have to be really polished and perfected and don't break eye contact in the whole bit when it's a vlog, when people are repurposing their pods. But what I truly love is that authenticity of people just like, hey, we're just showing up and sharing. It really pulls me to leaders in that space. Brene Brown's another one. When she kicked off her podcast and she talked about doing it in her son's closet on top of his dirty clothes because it was the best acoustics. It was like, really? This is Brene Brown? It really kind of blew me away, but then also drew me closer to them. So talk to me a little bit about the boundaries between professionalism and authenticity.
1: That is such a good question. We've actually done a whole episode about this on our podcast because there are really conflicting viewpoints because there is your mess is your message type of thing but then there's the importance especially for entrepreneurs who are growing of positioning you don't want to look like a train wreck to your clients because they're going to be afraid that you can't take care of them because you can't take care of yourself so it really is a fine line i think authenticity is so so important but it's also important to be demonstrating why your clients can rely on you. And I did a speaker training with Jacqueline Nagel, who's incredible, and she teaches people to tell their story and write a keynote with their story. And she really emphasizes this isn't therapy from the stage. You are telling your story. It is gripping. It is vulnerable, but this isn't a therapy session. You're not putting that weight on other people. So I think that's a really good differentiator. I'm a big fan of therapy. I think it's great. But when you're speaking on a podcast, it shouldn't feel like therapy, stuff should be processed before you're starting to talk about it publicly. And if it still brings up a lot of really strong emotion every time, it's probably not time to tell that story yet,
0: get a little space from it and then tell that story. Such a valid point. If it's too raw, you're right. It's going to almost burden the listener. So that is so key. Wow. I love it. What has been your favorite show that you've appeared on? That
1: is such a good question. My favorite show that I've appeared on. Well, this interview hasn't ended yet. So I would be cheating to say this one, but this is great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm so curious because like you said, there's 700,000 shows out there. So it's like, what makes it over the top? What's going to really deliver value to the listeners and also be this really enjoyable conversation to be a part of?
1: I think the best interviews, so I do four to five interviews per month because that is the strategy that we also implement with our clients that we see them really getting results and building traction. So I do so many interviews, I think it would be helpful to just say the characteristics of the shows that are the best. And I would say it's got a good mix of personal journey, personal story, and those sometimes dark things that really make us who we are but then also positivity and actionable strategies. And I think it's important. We all have stuff in our past that's kind of dark. And I do think it's important to share, but remembering to bring the listener into the dark and then bring them out again. Don't leave them there. That's not nice. So I think the best shows I've been on, the hosts do a good job of guiding you into the story, but pulling you out again and leaving the listeners with hope and positivity and action, not just stuck in a, a negative story.
0: Absolutely. 100% for sure. And then also the key to that is the action. Because even as interesting and engaging as listening to an authentic conversation between two people, they're always thinking of how is this going to benefit me? What's a gem or a tidbit that I can do today? And I think a really good host kind of brings that out as well and doesn't do it in an overwhelming way. I see that you book people on Entrepreneurs on Fire, which is one of my favorites. And I think that JLD does a fabulous job of that and really making these such an actionable item. What's secret of getting guests booked on big time shows like that or Glambition with Allie Brown? That's a great question. And yes, we've worked with Allie Brown and her coaching group. We've booked
1: her as a guest. We've booked clients on her show. It is an incredible show. And I would say The biggest thing is to go into it. It's similar, honestly, to the negotiation conversation. It's what happens before that pitch that goes into it as much as the quality of the pitch to that show. Because obviously, big shows want to see that that guest is bringing something to them and isn't just one of the hundreds and thousands of people who wants to get in front of their audience for personal gain and isn't really thinking about what they're offering the audience. So building up, doing more interviews really helps. If you wanna go for those really big fish, practicing on more mid-range shows and building yourself up, not expecting to just go in and pitch a giant show with no experience and really not clear on what you're offering their listeners. But if you practice and get to that point and obviously building up your online presence, and you don't have to have 100,000 followers, but you do have to be mindful of your full marketing strategy. So if that host Googles you, they're seeing you everywhere. They're seeing videos, they're seeing you have a presence in important places. So those steps, obviously having a great agent who's pitching you is really important. But those are the things that you can do to get a yes from
0: big hosts like that. Yeah, such a good point. I'm curious how COVID has affected your business and how you've shifted your marketing because I know that there's been such a massive spike in interest. I mean, my inbox is inundated with people saying, I want to be a guest on your show. So curious on how this is affecting you.
1: Yes. Overall, I mean, it's a terrible situation in a lot of ways because of our specific business. Overall, it's very positive for us because we have been saying for seven years that virtual networking and speaking are a crucial part of any business. And this is the first time where everybody is getting that. And that's been really, really helpful for them to see the importance of speaking consistently virtually on podcasts and also of that networking with hosts. Having great conversation, deep dive conversations with four hosts every single month, it moves the needle on their business. They end up partnering. They end up doing all types of things in JV and sometimes the host becomes a client. Sometimes they become a client of the host and they get unstuck from what they really needed because that host does that. So it's been very good. It's definitely been challenging. I'm seeing all the posts of people learning to bake bread and binging Netflix. And for those of us who have a virtual business,
0: we're working more. It's so true. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. I feel like people are talking about I'm bored and I'm like, what are you talking about? So everyone is experiencing it in a different way, no doubt. And you're really lucky that you had a seven-year head start in seeing where the trend was going and already having such a foothold in that. So kudos to you. Absolutely. I think that that's your sweet spot when you have that foundation in place and you can just continue to scale and rise on that topic. I'm so curious. I know that you came in in 2017, but I'm wondering since your participation, what it's been like to go from a smaller company to a seven plus size company. I mean, that's huge. Yes. Yes. It's been
1: really interesting. It didn't feel like what I thought it would feel like because we're so grateful and it's amazing. But I think it's really important for business owners, no matter where they are, to really appreciate where they are because our revenue is higher and it's amazing. And we're going for bigger goals. We're going for 10 million and above. But The problems don't go away. They just change at every level. And I've been surprised to see that we had a record-breaking month in May, the month's not over revenue-wise. And instead of celebrating, we're looking at all these problems we need to solve and all these challenges, and we got to get these new employees trained up. I was laughing because I made this spreadsheet of 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, month by month. Of revenue, expenses, and profit, so that I could keep that bird's eye view on how far that we've come. And it was so funny because I realized that in previous years, I looked at May. And obviously much lower revenue months were at double what we were last May, but it felt different. Last May, we were popping a tiny bottle of champagne in the office. We were so excited to just have a six-figure month and then to double that this month and to be stressed and being like, oh, we got to do this and we have this issue coming up. And so it was helpful to see that and just remember this is amazing. So I would just say, At every level, make sure to really enjoy what you have because maybe you're smaller and you want to get bigger, but enjoy that flexibility to pivot you have with a smaller business and still go for more. But I think
0: that's my biggest takeaway from growing. I love that you shared that because I think that so many people are focused on the numbers, wanting to scale from six to seven and beyond. And one, we absolutely have to celebrate the big and small wins and the milestones along the journey and be so in that vein of gratitude. So we're balanced, sustained and having fun and still like having joy. That's why we created our business. And it really brought to mind, I had a confection company and we started out of the kitchen of our home and it expanded to 700 square foot facility, and we were scaling to six figures and still kept thinking, we need to do more. We need to make more products. And so we ended up expanding to an 8,000 square foot facility and did scale to seven plus figures. Hindsight, we had many conversations saying, I think we might've been happier. Before, because the stress is higher and you're now not managing just three to five employees, you're managing 12 to 26, depending on our season. Everything changed. The spreadsheet changed, the profit margin changed. And we often said, wow, if we just tapped in, we might've been even making more as owners when we were at six figures than we are now with all the other overheads. So I'm really happy that you mentioned that because It's not all about the numbers or the zeros. It's truly about the work-life balance. How do you feel? And all those other little micro things, which aren't micro, they're huge. Yes, I totally agree. And I love going for big
1: goals. It's what really lights me up, going after big numbers and big goals. But you're so right that you have to keep recalibrating. And it's not to say don't go for those goals, but you have to keep checking in of, are the hours I'm working right now sustainable? Is the profit what it needs to be? Because there's a lot of people out there who have a million dollar business who spend a million dollars running the business, and someone with a $200,000 business with a better profit margin is making more money than them. So those numbers are so important, but there's so much more to the story than just big revenue numbers. It's like people who have a million dollar launch. But it costs over a million dollars in advertising to do the launch. So it's important. And really checking in with yourself of like, is this a schedule that I want? Because you can create whatever life you want as an entrepreneur. How much money do I want to take home? How much do I actually want to work? And going from there, I think is a great thing to do
0: really defining those core values and the desired outcome is so crucial, even to the point of posting it up on your whiteboard. So it's front and center. So you don't just get carried away with a freight train and be like, wait, I think I created a monster. I've had that experience gunning, 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 gunning. And all of a sudden it's just like, wait, I'm kind of burned out. I'm working 70 hours. I need to readjust and pivot because this isn't what my core value and desires were. So such a valuable point. Did you ever just wish there was a group of high vibe women entrepreneurs that you could hang out with? A place where you could share your wins, get a biz question asked, and be around people that just get you? Well, there is, my friend. It's my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group. I created a place on the web where like minds and open hearts could continue the conversations that we start here on the podcast. Fulfill your desire to develop friendships with women from around the globe. Women who are on the solopreneur journey, just like you. Now more than ever, we are craving authentic connections. Believe me, your voice matters, your work matters, and having the support of a close-knit community can make all the difference in the world. So head over to Facebook and go to facebook.com groups Slash Women Developing Brilliance and request to join my private Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group, the gathering place for heart centered female entrepreneurs looking to create an impact, increase their income, and connect deeply with themselves and others in the process. I can't wait to welcome you in my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group where you'll be encouraged to introduce yourself, ask a question, and meet other ambitious light workers just like you. Again, it's facebook.com slash groups slash women developing brilliance. I'll catch you there. I want to lift you up because I think you do a fabulous job keeping everyone in your story. I love your Instagram feed. And I love the fact that you and your partner, Jessica, play off one another. It's really powerful to see that dynamic duo. So I'm really curious How are you finding partnership and what do you like best about having a partner? Yes, we get this question
1: all the time because I think a lot of people, especially solopreneurs are like, I don't think I could have a business partner. And I get it because entrepreneurs are so independent that I think some entrepreneurs look at us and they're like, how are you not killing each other (laughs) over power and control of the business? Because entrepreneurs, we want power and control. That's why we don't have a job with someone telling us what to do. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is personal development. First of all, we have good personalities that are very compatible. And I think it's really important that we didn't start off as friends We started off professionally and we built a really close friendship on top of that. But there's friends I absolutely love who I could not have a business with because we aren't on the same page in terms of what we want. We don't have complementary skills. So it really helped that we work really well together and we started off professionally. And then on top of just getting lucky with that and having compatible personalities, we also do a ton of personal development. We did the entire landmark curriculum in 2018, which is like a three-part. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a huge time commitment. It's emotionally a big commitment. And doing some type of really hardcore personal development like that together was an absolute game changer because stuff comes up. There's going to be misunderstandings, miscommunications. Someone's feelings are going to get hurt. We're going to be on the wrong page. Someone's going to be burnt out and someone's going to be like, let's keep going. Being able to have those conversations and speak the same language and do all that personal development is probably the biggest factor in our success as a duo.
0: Yeah, I can totally see that. You bring you with you everywhere you go. I love the fact that you both committed And even just knew that personal development was going to have such an impact in your professional life. Love that. I had a business partner for 20 years. And I think a big core of what made our relationship successful is we were on the same spiritual path and we meditated every day on lunch. And that personal and spiritual growth aspect is what allowed us to complement one another and also call out if ego rose up and it was like, ooh, ugly ego head coming up, let's have a chat about that, you know, but in a really fun way and not in a blamey kind of way. So I think when you're both on the same page that you're interested in constant, never-ending improvement and you have that growth mindset, it makes all the difference in the world. I love the fact that you started off as a professional relationship first, because the focus then was on the baby. Like how do we make this endeavor grow and be the best that it can be?
1: Yes. And I love that you said that Jess and I both meditate every day. I got the insight timer app and I was like, girl, you got to get this. So now we both are on the insight timer app meditating every single day. Yeah. That's so important. And I love that you have that history with a business partner. I didn't know that that's so cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Other than meditating, what do you personally do to bring joy into your life? Because when you have a successful business, like you alluded to before, we're constantly looking at the to-do list, making those huge goals, and keeping our eye on the next benchmark. Oftentimes, self-care can go to the wayside because of that, because we're only one person with so much chi per day. What do you do to have closer work-life balance or just have fun, laugh, have levity?
1: Yes. Well, we joke a lot in the business. We have a zany culture. So we are laughing every day, no matter what's going on in the business and cracking jokes about stuff. And our team is very much like that too, probably because we attracted them and hired them. But in terms of self-care, just ongoing. It's really important to me to exercise, not just physically, but mentally. It makes a big difference to me to work out in the morning before I start my day, meditate so that when I open my computer, I've already done all that stuff. So that helps a lot. Little things like going for walks. And I'm a huge animal lover. I'm really passionate about animal rescue. I have a blind Maltese and a deaf 17-year-old cat, actually. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And every single day, I'm really delighted by them. They're doing something that makes me genuinely start laughing. So little things like that and just remembering about fun, to have fun, to joke around and to be silly. And if I find I'm not able to be silly for a few days, I'm like, I need to check in with myself because something's off if it's that heavy.
0: Yeah, that's so good. You were reading my mind. That was what I was thinking is, how do you know when you're going off the path so we can avoid burnout and bring ourselves back into alignment? But Mm -hmm. I think you just answered it, right? When it starts to feel too heavy and you're like, wait, I haven't laughed in a while. I love that you've baked in laughter. I'm a huge believer of like begets like. So it's really cool that you've attracted a team that also values humor. Yeah. They're very
1: funny. The random channel of our Slack is like, I just go in there and I just start laughing so hard.
0: (laughs) That is awesome. I love that. That's amazing. So what would be a takeaway tip for someone that is new to using podcasting to increase brand awareness or to even start dropping those marketing seeds to bring potential clients into their orbit? What's one or two simple tips that someone can do? My biggest tip would be to really understand that it's a
1: long-term strategy. We see people unsuccessful with the strategy because they want to test it out and maybe do 10 interviews and then wait and see what happens. But the strategy is really a snowball effect. It requires consistency and building up that snowball, building up that momentum, of at least four interviews per month, every month for a year, two years, three years. And our clients who do that, who have that long-term vision and commitment and get that this is just an ongoing thing they're gonna be doing long-term, they're the ones who have these insane testimonials of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in clients every year and all this stuff. And it really is that mindset of being all in and understanding that it's long-term and it takes commitment. Yes. And then I would say for a second one, another mindset one, really have a mindset to serve. A lot of people don't fully understand the podcast community and it's all about free value and giving. It's different than a webinar and stuff like that. So it's our clients who really genuinely want to connect with hosts and serve their audience who have incredible results that look effortless because of that mindset.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that so much. It brings up stuff for me as a host because the very best interviews are when people come in with that mindset of giving, giving, giving. That's huge. And sometimes I have to say really honestly, it's a challenge for me when someone comes on with a memorized thing. They're not really aware that this is a conversation. It's not a monologue or they're excessively promoting. And I'm just like, oh my God, how do I bring this back in line? Because I value my listeners and their time so very much. So I would love advice on that. I think what you're doing already, the information that you send
1: over about the interview is really helpful. If you really want to guarantee I would do a pre-call with every guest before they come on for 10 minutes and make sure you guys are on the same page. So not just put it in writing, but tell them on the Zoom call what is valuable for your listeners and talk through what topics and actionable steps they're going to do. That I think would be worth your time value-wise, even though obviously it is a little extra time to do two calls with each guest.
0: Yeah, such a good point. And I think to bring it back to our listeners' communication, it always boils down to that. Communication is so key, making sure that we're just not mind reading and having an expectation that people understand what the goal is that we're both trying to get to. So that's absolutely key. And back to your point on repetition to your tip, because that was such a valuable tip. It's really, if we were to think of older day marketing, print magazine ads, for example, that dipping your toe in of like, let me just put an ad in and see what happens, or let me just do one or two or three ads and see what happens, far different experience or outcome than committing to the back page for 12 months. Yes, absolutely. And it's less of a commitment.
1: I mean, there's a time commitment, but expense wise, it's not a huge commitment. It's not like you have to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars for years before you see an ROI from it. But I know a lot of entrepreneurs are impatient and it's tough to have such a long term strategy.
0: Yeah, but you know, the most successful business strategies are long-term. That's why you have drive and perseverance because you understand the long game. You understand it's not about overnight success. So it really is just a model for business. It's just how are we going to get increased exposure with that same lens?
1: Yes, absolutely. And that consistency, once you've been in business for a while and you've been getting out there consistently in your marketing and guesting on podcasts, we get clients all the time. We get leads who say, I have been following you and listening to your interviews for three years. I'm ready. And the sale is
0: done. There is no sales call, you know? Absolutely. Right. Because like you said before, your work's been front loaded. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Marky, you are a delight. You've shared so many tips. I really appreciate it. If you were going to leave one final bit of bright light wisdom for our listeners, what would it be? I think the biggest
1: thing would be to really tap into how important it is for you to get your message out there not just for revenue but because you are solving a pain point for your client and it's not just a pain point if you think about it when you're stuck on something in life or in business it's incredibly isolating it really can break you down so just understanding what a light you are by getting out there so that the people who need you can hear their solution and have that breakthrough and tapping into that why in your guesting strategy so that you have that patience to really commit and stick with it.
0: Yeah, I love that. How can people learn more about you? So
1: our website is interviewconnections.com, but we have a great Facebook group as well called the Guest Expert Profit Lab that we're constantly doing free trainings and a ton of value. And you can join that by going to interviewconnections.com slash group. Awesome.
0: I love that. Thank you so, so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Casey. Yeah. Take care. You too. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on women developing brilliance. If so, head on over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.